crowd. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm tough. <laughs> All right. Well, we are so glad that you're here today. By the way, that song, I don't know if you noticed on the screen, but it was written by Stephen Lamb. Awesome song. I was thinking, boy, he needs to contact Phillips, Craig and Dean or Amy Grant and uh, maybe sell that song to him. Get that on the radio. Anyway. All right. How many of you have your ugly mask on today? Yeah. I was going to say, next Sunday, we're going to be doing an ugly mask, ugly sweater Sunday. So come up with the ugliest thing you can find and bring it out next Sunday. All right. Anybody have any ugly sweaters? How many of your husbands, ladies, have an ugly sweater? but he just wears it all the time. <laughs> I won't ask the reverse on that one. But you could ask it. All right. Well, Pastor Rich is uh, in Tuella today. You know, it's good that he's able to be at that campus periodically so they can see uh, an actual representative of Life Church Maine here. So we're hoping that that service will go well. Things are going well in Tuella. I think last Sunday they had 54 people, which was tremendous. So God is rebuilding that congregation. We're excited about that. We had 456 in all of our campuses last, last week. So we're excited about that. So just take a quick look around you here. Who are you not seeing that you saw a year ago? Anybody? Yeah, actually about 800. So, you know, we've tried to call a lot of people. We tried to communicate with them in some way. But uh, it might be good if you were just to reach out organically to those people that you don't see anymore and just invite them to come back to church. Some can't be here because of physical reasons and health concerns, and that's more than understandable. But some people, I think, just like sitting at home in their bed and, I don't know, eating their breakfast and watching the service online. That could be. All right. Well, I think I have a good message for you today. It's called God with us. How many of you need God with you? Yeah, just about 60% of you. The rest of you should be awake by the end of the service. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to look at your word today. God, I do pray that you will do the work that you desire to do. Bring encouragement, bring change that needs to be brought in each and every one of our hearts, in our minds, in our lifestyle. Church. Even. God, help us to reflect. You better have friends that are, are far away from the Lord. This Emmanuel. is Paul's encouragement God that we have us. to interact with the world we around us because we are sowing seeds and casting nets and letting God decide and letting God uh, work through Amen. us and work through the world around right, us to work behind the scenes, right? With that faith that we see, that small mustard seed, that leaven that's at work. We can't always see it. special about the name Emmanuel? What's so special about the name Jesus? Well, I think there's a lot that's special. The prophecy mentioned here in Matthew, which is a restatement of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, was given over 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. The implications of the prophecy would have been impressive by themselves, but they went a step further and gave us a glimpse of the personal nature of God. 
Our God was and he continues to be with us. In a recent poll, 1,000 participants were asked, if you had the opportunity to speak with any famous historical figure for 15 minutes, who would it be? 75% of them chose Jesus Christ above everybody else. That's pretty amazing, really. Now, there's a reason for that, I think. And I think the reason is really simple. The human heart longs to hear from God. Do you want to hear from God? I think we all do. And he's trying to make himself real and expressive to us today. Now, a couple of years back, quite a number of national media personalities were asked virtually the same question. If you could sit down and talk with any person from history, who would it be? And again, 75% said they would want to talk with Jesus Christ. I don't suppose that should come as any surprise to us. Who wouldn't want to talk and meet? Who wouldn't want to meet and talk face-to-face with the God of the universe? I mean, what an amazing, an amazing experience. It seems to me that a race of people, that as a race of people, we have been trying to do that for a very long time, to connect with God. We've looked for God in the stars, in creation, through idols, through man-made philosophies, through religion, and even by looking for the God within. In a thousand different ways, we have been searching for the divine. Now, one of the amazing takeaways from that poll was that although most of those surveyed felt far away from God, still they wanted to be able to tell him about their problems, and they thought, they believed that he would actually listen to them. How many of us believe that today? When we talk to God, we think he's going to hear us, first of all, and then we also think he's going to answer our prayers. I hope that's every one of us. You may not get immediate results. You may not get everything you ask for, but I have a newsflash. Jesus is not Santa. Jesus is not Santa Claus. He's not a vending machine. You put in your money, you make your selection, and you get what you ask for. Now, God does answer our prayers, but we have this little thing called God's will, his perfect plan. So our prayers must line up with his plan. And when they line up, you get your answer. You get your answer according to his will. And that's the best place to be. How many of you want something that God doesn't want you to have? Yeah, most of us. (laughs) But we shouldn't. We really want to seek the heart of God and find out what he wants and then pray accordingly. Now, one way to find out what God's will is, get into his word. It reveals his plan, his purpose for you, and certainly for me as well. All right, the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14 says, the word became flesh. And the word here is another name for Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the Living Bible puts it this way, and Christ became a human being and lived here on earth among us and was full of loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Heavenly Father. Now, as I just mentioned, Isaiah prophesied in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name 
Emmanuel. It's what those whom had been pulled long, longed for more than anything else. The one person they wanted to meet, Jesus, who is God with us. His name means God is here. He is approachable. He is touchable. He is reachable. He is making himself able to be found. God's not hiding from us. He's not distant from us. He is right here with us. I want us to look at those three short words, God with us, because I believe God wants to tell us something that can be life-changing today. How many of you need a life change? Both my hands are up. I need it. All right, number one, let's look at the name God, the word God. The name given to the baby born in the manger was the name of God. There have been times when the presence of other people has meant an awful lot to me. Now, I'm going to try to tell you a story. There's a whole lot more to it, but I'm going to summarize. One time in college, my good friend Dan, he and I went four-wheeling with a two-wheel drive pickup. <laughs> Problem number one. Needless to say, that was a bad idea. Now, first of all, this was southern Missouri. It was in the fall. It had been raining. We were in a remote location outside of Springfield. We were slipping and sliding around. And all of a sudden, we came upon a big hole filled with water. Sometimes it takes boys a little while to grow up. Mud, water, I'm getting in it, right? So after a two-second discussion with each other about whether or not we should try to drive into it, and of course, out of it, I hit the gas. And away we went. Bam! Within about three seconds, the front of the truck was completely submerged in water. The tailgate was up about eight to ten feet in the air. And guess what? We couldn't back out of it. Bad idea. In a split second, we were stuck. Uh, let me see where I'm at here. Little did we know that it was a very deep hole. You know, it just looked like, oh, it's a little bit of a mud puddle. We're going to drive through it. It's going to be really fun. We later determined that the miniature lake, which was large enough to hold a full-size pickup, was probably about six to eight feet deep at its lowest point. There was no getting out of that, especially with a two-wheel drive truck. Now, looking back now, I realized two things. You don't have to write this down, but just good stuff. Number one, how dumb of us. Or how dumb of me, because I was the driver. And number two, I'm so glad that I had my best friend with me. Had my best friend there. When you're going through a hard time, if you've got somebody there, it makes it a whole lot better, doesn't it? It makes it easier. Now, in case you're wondering what happened, we got out. I'm here today. So don't worry. Dan's alive. He's pastoring a, a good church in uh, central Missouri, doing a great job there. But yes, we had to walk about 10 miles back to campus, middle of the night, because of course we went out late. You know, we didn't go out at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And again, there's a lot more to the story. So if you want more of the story, I'll give it to you later. But suffice it to say, we made it out safely. We, made it, we finally made it back to campus. But unfortunately, we didn't get back there until about sunrise. So we missed curfew. Our curfew was what, midnight? 
I'm asking Shelly because we went to the same school. And Karen, of course. But we didn't get back to campus until about sunrise, so we had to go to our very first day of classes unshowered. But we had to change because we had to dress up back then. Dress pants, dress shoes, collared shirt, all that good stuff. Because it was Bible college after all. But what I remember is that it was great to have my friend with me. We were late together. We were muddy together. We were walking together. It's great when friends and family can help us when we're in a bind. But there have also been times in life when it didn't matter how many people I had around me, I had to face the battle alone. Fundamentally, it was my battle to fight with God's help. Now, in those times, I really needed God's guidance, his wisdom, his direction, his protection, his peace, but most of all, his presence in my life. I could only make it with his help. The truth is, you will face times in your life when only God can help you. Your spouse can't help you. Your best friend can't help you. Your boss can't help you. The government can't help you. I'll not go there. But that's what Christmas is telling us. He's, it's telling you and me that God is with us. Not a useless philosophy or dead religion, not a, a five-point self-help book, but God himself. That's who Jesus is. He is God walking and living with us, offering himself to us. But not just to be there when we hit a crisis. He's with us in covenant relationship and fellowship all the time. He wants to be your closest friend, a part of every decision you make, every conversation you have, and part of every day of your life. Jesus wants to bring God into the picture of your life, and he wants to be your best friend. Really, he does. He wants to be your closest friend. That's what Emmanuel means, God. God the Almighty, God the Creator, a part of your life. And his invitation is really simple. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary. Anybody weary? And carry heavy burdens. You feel like you're carrying some heavy burdens? And Jesus says, and I will give you rest. But you have to come to him. You have to go to him. That's God inviting you to be in fellowship with him every day. And all you have to do is accept that invitation. Now, let's take a look at the next word. It is the word with. Many people believe in a God who is out there somewhere. In theology, it's called deism. God is far removed from us. He created us and then turned us loose. And we've been on our own ever since. That's not what the Bible reveals because he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, the name the virgin would give her son tells us, tells us a different story about the true God, a God who isn't distant, personal, or uncaring, or unloving, but a God who truly is with us, a companion, a friend, a mighty God whose power is immeasurable and unending. I'm going to try to tell you a story here. <clears throat> it was about 1989. My uh, dad had taken a trip on a Greyhound bus 
My dad is not known for getting out of his uh, home, let alone leaving the city, let alone leaving the state, but he did this one time. So I agreed to pick him up from the bus station, Greyhound bus station, at about 2 o'clock in the morning in inner city Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Fort Wayne, but do a little research. It's not a nice place, especially 2 o'clock in the morning in the inner city. So there I am, sitting in my 78 Ford Thunderbird. Doors are locked. I'm from a small town of 400 people, so lock your doors. That's what we did. Not in the town, but... If you went outside of town, you would do that. Because everybody was going to get you, of course. That's what we thought. Anyway, I'm lost in my story, so let me get back to it. So I'm sitting there in my car, and all of a sudden I'm approached by two guys. One on the passenger side, one on the driver's side. And the guy at the, on the driver's side knocks on the window and tells me to roll my window down. Well, I'm smart enough and scared enough to know I'm going to crack it about that far just so I could hear him and he could hear me. So I did that. And he motioned for me to roll down my window more. I'm like, there is no way. That is as far as that's going down. All of a sudden, he did this. He stepped back like he was shocked. And keep in mind, I was by myself. I was there to pick up my dad, but I didn't have him in the car yet. So this guy looked over at the passenger seat. I don't know what he saw. I don't know who he saw, but those guys hightailed it out of there. So I'm thinking that either Jesus or this huge angel was sitting next to me. I have no idea. I didn't see anything, but those guys saw something. God was with me. Amen. His protection was amazing. All right. Matthew 28 verse 20 says, be sure of this. And this is Jesus speaking. I am with you always even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13, 5, God said, I will never fail you. Another translation says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. A lot of you don't believe that today. You do not believe these verses. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It is the word of God and it is true. Thank you. He never quits caring. He never quits loving and he never quits preparing us for this life and the life to come. Now, if Jesus is your personal savior, you won't have to face life alone in this world. You're not lost in your sin and despair. He has taken that away. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He will be as close as you allow him to be, or he'll seem as distant as you push him far from you. It's really up to you. And here's a good, a good quote the degree of his withness is up to you. It's the Christmas message. He'll be with you if you want him to be. It's simple. A number of years ago, I heard a story about Richard and Robin Johnson. They were pastors who served a church in eastern Colorado, and they both found out within just weeks of each other that they both had severe cancer. Now, the following is taken from one of Richard's blogs that he shared with family, friends, and fellow pastors during those incredibly dark days. Richard was talking about the portion of Scripture in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel and for doing the work of the Lord. They were thrown into a Philippian jail, but they were delivered by God through a miracle as they sang songs of praise and worship. Now, this is what Richard wrote. 
They sang at midnight. How many of us could sing at midnight, much less in the midst of a dark, dingy, disgusting, rat-infested prison? In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas did just that after being arrested for cutting in on someone's livelihood by delivering a slave girl from bondage. Paul and Silas come on the scene in the name of Jesus, and she is set free indeed. Well, they're arrested, beaten, and put in socks. Not socks, stocks. I need to emphasize my T there. They could have looked at each other and simply stated, so this is a thanks we get for doing the work of the Lord? What's up with this kind of treatment anyway? We don't deserve this. No. The Bible says they sang. They considered it an honor to serve our Lord in this fashion, and their attitudes were the example for all of us no matter what we are going through in this life. If we are being legitimately ridiculed for our faith in Jesus, praise the Lord and serve him all the more. If we're going through any other difficulty or a difficult time in our lives, you may not feel like singing in your midnight hour, but we must. We sing because God is in control of every situation and will control our tomorrows if we allow him to. Paul and Silas did not whine. They needed no cheese that day. You'll get that about lunchtime. They sang. The outcome we read about was a victory, but they didn't know that that was coming. They didn't know they were going to get out of prison. They didn't know that God was going to send an angel to deliver them, to open the, uh, the prison doors and for them to walk out. They had no idea. They sang. The outcome we read about was a victory, but they didn't know that it was coming. So go ahead and sing. Shout it from the house, housetops. Our God reigns. He reigns in the good times and bad times. He reigns in the sunlight and darkest of nights. He can reign if you're healthy or sick. He is not limited by our finite humanness or anything we're going through. Lift your head, Richard says, and sing in the midnight hour, friend, for you don't know what's just around the next turn. If he could say that, we can say that too. Now the last word is us. God with us. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. A lot of people would agree that God cares about the world as a whole. Because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. But guess what? He's not talking about just the physical world just rocks and dirt and trees. He's talking about people. He's talking about us. For God so loved the people of the world. And we would agree that God loves the world as a whole, that he cares about racial conflict, COVID-19, and he cares about the church worldwide. But too many of us never come to grips with the fact that through Jesus Christ, God wants to have a personal relationship with us. A personal relationship Ultimately, it's great that God loves the world, but I have to know that God loves me personally and individually. I'm not just a number. The Bible indicates that he has numbered the very hairs of my head a lot fewer than I had three years ago, and they're graying. So that would be a great Christmas present from my wife 
is some Grecian formula, maybe. I just got a plug from Grecian formula for saying that, so. A plug? I don't get a plug. I made the plug, and I get a kickback. There we go. That's not the truth. I'm just kidding, by the way. Anyway, back on track. Too many of us never come to grips with the fact that God wants to be in covenant relationship with us. He loves you individually. He loves your son. He loves your daughter. No matter what their spiritual condition is. God loves your parents. No matter where they're at spiritually. God loves your former spouse. Amen. God loves you. God has a plan for us. You've got to know that to face today. You've got to know that God is with you. It brings the assurance. It brings great assurance knowing that God is seeking after you. He's running after you. He is calling your name continually. Come into relationship with me, he's saying. Now, that's what the Christmas message really is saying. Remember, Emmanuel means God with us. But he's so personal with us that it does the scripture no injustice to translate the name Emmanuel as God with me. Personally, individually. I want you to put your name in there. God loves Tom. God loves Susan. God loves Joe. God loves Sally. He loves you. You're not a statistic to God. You're not a mistake. You've heard this before. You might have been a surprise to mom and dad, but you were no surprise to God, and you're certainly not a mistake. I'm going to amen myself on that one. Jesus is Emmanuel, a personal God who would love nothing more than to be your best and closest friend. And he offers that to anyone who wants it, and that's the best gift of Christmas. All right, let me close. I'd like to invite our worship team or whoever they've decided is going to come out today. A little story about the communists in 1949. They took over China. And there were two missionaries who were left behind and they were arrested by the Chinese government. They were taken to a prison in far northern China where the cold Siberian winds filled their prison cell. They were given barely enough food to survive and not enough clothing and blankets to even stay warm. In the coldness of their cell, forbidden to talk with each other, a sense of despair began to settle over them. They remembered their loved ones and realized that they would not be able to see them that Christmas. As the gloom gripped them, one of the missionaries took some straw that was on the floor and began to form a word on the floor of their cell. I... M M A N U E L Emmanuel And they realized that no matter what happened God was with them The reality of what Christmas meant really began to sink in and that helped them to get through that difficult time I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You might be facing a cold, hard time in your life right now. Maybe you came today wondering how you're going to make it through. 
Your finances are in shambles. Your relationships are strained. Your car is broken. Your house payment's due and you don't have money. Let me assure you that the birth of Jesus made it possible for God to be with us, for God to be with you even in the midst of a hard time. This is the very essence of Christmas, the fact that God came to us as a human being when Jesus was born. And as we read the final verses of the book of Matthew, he is with us, as Jesus said, to the very end of the age. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has not left you. He is with you right now today. Despite what your circumstances look like and feel like. You may have health issues that you don't know how to overcome. Jesus is with you. Emmanuel is with you. Lord, we just lay our hearts before you today. God, I pray that you will speak to us today. Draw us today. Help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are Emmanuel to us. You are God with us. Regardless of what circumstances look like. Regardless of what the doctors have said. Regardless of what the bank has told us. You are with us. God, we know that some here are listening to what the enemy is saying. He is trying to tell them that you are not with them. He's trying to tell them that you have forsaken them and you don't care about them. You don't love them. You're not concerned about them. But God, I pray that you will dispel that lie. Destroy that lie. And help us to listen to you and the words of your, your son, Jesus Christ that says, I am with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if any of this message has resonated to you, if you feel alone today, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you today. This is an especially difficult time of the year and it's uh, exacerbated with uh, COVID, but we know that God is in control. We don't have to look at what the news media says. We don't have to look at what uh, the forecast is. What we have to look at, what we have to focus on is the fact that God has given us the assurance that he's with us. Lord, you've seen the hands that were raised today and so many more that weren't, but the hearts that need your touch today. God, I pray that you will bring encouragement, bring peace, bring wisdom and direction, bring uh, the discipline that's needed possibly to get our finances in order so that we might be in a better position to be able to bless you and to bless others with our finances and certainly to be able to pay our bills. God, I pray that you will provide where there seems no way, where there seems no other way. God, I pray that you will just show up and make the difference. Lord, I ask you to go with us now, guide us, direct us, and draw our hearts to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Remember, ugly mask, ugly sweater next week. All right. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.